happy to have you guys on here today. Welcome, welcome your backup plan tribe to this week's show. I'm so excited to have both Jenny and you here. If you are new here, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to our channel over here. Let's switch the hand down below there somewhere <laughs> just for you. Um, I'm Tina. If you are new here to our show uh, from your backup plan app, I am the developer and creator of your backup plan. And I am a best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye. Just like that, your life changes in a second. From what you did when you walked into the hospital to when you walk out, or if you do walk out of the hospital, that's how fast your life changes. I'm also a financial advisor and an emergency preparedness coach to help everybody become more prepared for life in general, whether it's losing your purse, wallet, passport, documentation, having it stolen, or even um, all the sicknesses in the pandemic. You know, I have amazing guests on our show each and every week, like Jenny, and they're real-life stories with real people and that talk about accidents and sicknesses and trauma um, in their lives. And when something happens, it's something life changes. Your life changes in a second. Sometimes for the good and sometimes not so good. But, you know, we're not all given five-minute evacuation notices in our life for a such thing as a wildfire or a hurricane or a tornado or even an earthquake. But when we do, you should, those are blessing, blessed five minutes, I'll tell you. And you better have your act together and have a grab and go bag and be prepared. But that being said, I'm so happy to have Jenny on our show today. We're going to have a quick commercial and I'll see you back here in a quick second. We are. I did it this time. Welcome back, everybody. Let's bring on Jenny Kennedy. She comes to us from New Zealand. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you, Tina. It's such a pleasure to be here and speak with oh, you and your guests today. Absolutely. I'm so thrilled to have you here, Jenny. And Jenny comes to us from New Zealand, Auckland, right? Is it Auckland? Um, uh, no, it's about three hours south of Auckland at a place called Mount Monganui. Oh, that sounds lovely. Is it lovely? It's it's a beautiful beach resort. It's lovely. Oh, nice. Um, mm -hmm. So Jenny is an intuitive healer and teacher, and she's gone through quite, she has quite the story of Jenny's story of overcoming suicidal thoughts and cancer. And so thank you, Jenny, for coming on the show. I just wanted to say my thanks to our listeners as well. Please like, share, and subscribe to our channel. If you already haven't, press down here in the subscribe button so that you get notified of the upcoming videos because uh, we'd love to have you here. So Jenny, where did all of this start for you? This, this whirlwind, it sounded like to me, of, of your life journey. It's crazy. Well, looking back on it, it was crazy, and it it started gradually, actually. 
I was working in a legal office and it was a very, very busy legal office. And I was um, the typical A-type personality, um, you know, believed I could do everything, took on a whole big workload. And I also worried a lot about my work that I was, you know, getting it perfect, doing it right. So how it started was that, uh, you know, I was given multi-million um, deals and I'd be lying awake at night thinking, had I done that? Had I done that? Had I made sure? Because if my deal fell over, then, you know, in real estate, it's a whole, you know, back up behind us that everything falls down. Yeah. And I didn't realise that this was causing me a lot of stress. So I started to not feel right and feel unwell. And then I got really tired and jittery and I'd snap at people, not at work, of course, um, you know, because I was that good girl, had the great veneer, I call it, um, pretending yeah. I had everything handled. Your costume and was then, on. <laughs> it was on. It was on. It wasn't till I could come home and take off the costume that it was really just the stress that, you know, came out. And it was one night I woke up and I had no idea what was happening, but it was my first panic attack. And honestly, I thought I was dying. I, there was just, unless anyone's experienced it, you can't explain what it was like. And from someone looking on, they sort of think, you're nuts. You know, what are you so fearful about? And I couldn't get any relief except I'd get up out of my bed and just walk round and round and round the backyard. I don't I, I suppose, you know, it's being on the ground or something like that was helping me feel calm. Feel. Yeah. 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 So the next day, of course, I was exhausted, but got up, kept pushing myself at work and all the rest of it. Just kept going till one day I could not get out of bed. And of course, I was lying in bed worrying about what was happening and I must be dying. Makes it worse. It, it, it accumulates, it right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And uh, and I went to the doctor and they'd say, no, there's nothing wrong with you. And I said, there's got to be something wrong with me. And it wasn't. Were you finding this, them you know, more often, Jenny? Were you finding the the attacks more often in the day? Yes. Yes. Yes, they'd come on more often. And, you know, I still didn't know what was actually happening. Nobody had explained it to me. And it got so bad that by this time I couldn't eat. You know, when you those, you'll see those people run a marathon, and at the end of it they can hardly walk. They're stumbling all over the place, and that's because the body's just pumped with so much adrenaline. Well, that's what I was like. To, to get to the bathroom was just a, a huge effort. Someone would have to support me to get there. And it was one night I really just, I don't know who I was talking to, but it was in my, in my head. I was lying there was, you know, another night that I couldn't sleep all night. I just said, well, I'm over this. If you don't send me an answer, I'm out of here. So, you know, that the the pain of living was far, far greater than me taking my life. And of course, now in this place, you know, I'd never ever contemplate 
taking my life, but I totally understand people that do because that pain of living is just gets to that place of being unbearable. But the magic in that, and it's not so much feel, that you don't think of the your loved ones, right? You, it's not like you're. It's not about that. It's just about your inner being that you're just suffering so much. Well, if I could liken it, say, you know, you get clamped into a huge vice, like a whole body vice, and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter, and you're in so much pain, at that point, you're not actually even really thinking about your loved ones. Yeah, your mind realizes, but you just want to escape that pain. Yeah. Um, and that's what it feels like. But I see, I didn't realize that when I had that thought in my head, that someone, the universe, God, whatever you like to call it, because, you know, I'm not a religious person, but someone was listening. And it was a couple of days later that I was handed a book. And the book was all about... Um, accessing suppressed emotions so it's a book called the journey by brandon bays and it's about understanding that every time we have a suppressed emotion in our life we physically store that in ourselves and so over time there's a propensity for dis-ease or you know emotional uh reaction issues take place here and so this is what I realized, not at, you know, at that time, but I came to realize, but I read that book and Brandon has written a, um, there's two processes in the back of the book through guided meditation. And I took myself for that process. So it was just by reading the book that I just felt this huge relief and um, it gave me hope. What do you think triggered that? Was there something that you realized yes. in the book all of a sudden? It, it, it was because it's a process that you actually do. So it's not about something you read, but something you are experience, experiencing. So I was able to access that suppressed emotion. And as I accessed it, then I was able to release it. And that's where that feeling of relief came and that hope. Um, so it it took quite a while for my physical body to catch up. So I continued just reading these processes, going through them and through them and doing just doing that inner work, the small you know, myself. So what happens through the process, you can actually access the memory. So when we have a suppressed emotion, and normally that's in childhood, or if we are in a situation where we feel really disempowered, the damage is done not from what happens, but how we react. So if we don't have a safe space to express how we feel, then we are programmed with a particular belief. And so we live our lives from our sum totals of our beliefs. So it's an ongoing process of accessing those beliefs to, yeah. in order for healing to take place and really to live our life from our full potential. So I, I love my father dearly, but he was very abusive. So one minute I was his princess and the next minute I was being yelled and screamed at 
and thrashed. And that would break my heart in that moment. So I would try so hard to be good. And then, you know, my, my older brother might have been niggling me or something. And then I'd react because you do, you get sick of it. And, <laughs> um, and then I blame myself because we'd all get a hiding. And then I blame myself. Oh, my God, I should have just let my brother, you know, do that or whatever. And so I was trying to be good all the time. And so that was, you could see in my professional life, I was trying so hard to do my best. And if I got it wrong, oh, my gosh, what would the consequences be? Yeah. And so all of that came up from before. Yes. Exact same yeah. stuff. That you push down it, and down and down. Yeah. And because I say we're like little computers and we get programmed by all these events that happen to us in our life. And so as we unpack this and do the healing, we are reprogramming the computer. So I could still be doing the same job, but not from that old feeling of, um, you know, something's going to go drastically wrong if I make a mistake. Yeah. And so I'm approaching it, still doing the same job, but approaching it from a much calmer place. And, you know, and I when, think, when, when I, I was just going to say, when I, think, I did finally couldn't go into work anymore because I was, you know, bedridden, they had to yeah. have two people to replace me. And and you went back after? No, no, never went no. back. No, never went back because that understanding changed the whole trajectory of my life. Actually, after that, I went and, you know, I got myself much better and I went and studied with Brandon Bays and that was the beginning of, you know, understanding that the mind is at the mind and the body and, you know, the mind, body and spirit cannot be separated this is where healing needs to happen at that deep level. I, I could have gone and taken a, a pill, you know, to calm my nerves, but it wasn't changing anything. I would have just no. been existing in life. Yeah, and it just keeps on spiraling and spiraling. So I imagine that it if does. you had, had, have had an abusive husband, that it would have brought up that same kind of fear as well, right? Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, in actual fact, now looking back at it, our relationship was abusive, more in the, um, you know, the emotional and the verbal. Um, and no excuses, but his, he had an alcoholic father. So his, his child and the oldest of 13 children. So his childhood was horrendous. But the two of us, you can see we were the perfect match. Yeah. So I was just re recreating my father in that relationship. Yes. But I, I am lucky because if I've done the work, he's organically changed. So not all partners will do that. But, um, and that's where I have no attachment to whether a relationship works or not. If the other partner's willing to change, then you can keep growing together. And and to be honest, it's still a work in progress, our relationship. Always, um, always. Yeah, yeah. Every but, relationship um, is. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But whether it's fortunate, 
I don't know because the realisation I've had, if he hadn't, as I've done the work and changed and no longer putting up with what I used to put up with and thinking on an unconscious level, that's the only love I deserve. That's, that's right. Where, you know, I got I got from my father. That's what we got used to. Um, yeah, yeah. But when you become conscious of those patterns, everything changes. It does. And so, as as I say, it only needs one person in a family to do the work. Everybody else will get it. They will get that opportunity to heal. So, my husband unconsciously has got the opportunity to heal because, you know, each time I'm putting up my boundaries and he's stepping up and then I become aware of somewhere else in our relationship where, oh, I'm just, you know, reliving that pattern and then I'll put up my boundaries, up he will step. Do you find... You know, work in process, progress. Mm. Well, yeah, and I'm sure forever it will be. And that's what I was going to ask because... um, Do you find more that if you get that feeling that you can recognize it quicker now and and put a stop to it? You know what I mean? Like you can change that because I don't think anything ever changes unless you recognize it. it, it, Absolutely, Tina. Absolutely. And the thing was, because I hated conflict and I would do anything to create the peace, This is part of why my intuition developed because I got to survive. I had to really read a room, read other people's moods, where they're at, so I could keep myself safe and keep out of my father's way. And so I became the chronic people pleaser. I didn't even know what I wanted. I was just watching what everybody else wanted and would go along with that. And it wasn't till... 10 years later when I got the cancer diagnosis that my husband actually said to me ever since you've got cancer you've got angry and I go good oh because I'd never been able to access the anger before like I'd yeah because you kept it quiet I kept it quiet and would just push it down and go oh what do I need to do to keep someone else happy not, yeah. I'm angry, what am I going to do about me being angry? Exactly. And I think that's true when you're around abusive father or mother or an abusive husband or partner. I, mm-hmm. I think that it becomes all about them. And then you're just like this tag along. And God forbid that you get angry because abusive people do not like anyone else angry but them. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So you always you just push it back, and you don't you don't put that anger out because they don't Mm. want you to do it. So to like you said to go with the flow, you be quiet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and no coincidence that I got ovarian cancer. You know, I was diagnosed with stage 3C ovarian cancer because it had metastasized into my lymph nodes because ovaries where we create our life, a life. And I I didn't know how to create a life for me. I had no idea what I even wanted. Yeah. And so it so from the from the you know the burnout in the corporate world, it sort of started my journey of 
recognizing the mind, body, spirit, you know, you cannot separate it. And I went on a lot of courses and did a lot of uh, training and had the understanding, but I still wasn't really putting it into practice. So it wasn't till I got the cancer diagnosis that I did actually get angry, recognize the anger, and then start doing something about it. Because that's the hardest part, is doing something about it. Because your body, you're not used to doing that action. Mm. Right? Mm. Yeah. And and it's scary. It really is How many years difference between when you started working on yourself to the cancer diagnosis? How long would that have been? Ten years. Ten years. It's a lot of working on yourself. It was a lot of working on myself. Um, and that's what I realized, although we do have to be careful what we ask for. So so that changed the trajectory. I stepped away from the legal work and got into uh, massage and started developing my intuition because I realized when I was massaging someone, I could read what was going on with them. So I yeah. started doing lots of training and, you know, re- reading that. So I actually put out a prayer or in meditation and I asked to be the best possible healer I could be and then they went okay here's incurable cancer but to be fair I had had an awful lot of stress uh one of my I've got two boys and one of my boys was really having a battle with drugs um about as bad as you could get with drugs really And it was a it was a lot of worry for me, and you you know I think all of that combined, and not that I'm blaming him because anybody that takes drugs they are just it's just a way to alleviate their anxiety because he'd had a lot of anxiety and and to you know just touch on his story a little bit. Um, when he was three months old, my brother had a little boy who was three months old who died of a cot death. So my anxiety was projected onto my son, thinking he was going to die all the time. So he grew up to be an extremely anxious child. And, of course, what do we do when we're anxious? We take the drugs to, you know, find some peace. Something to make you feel better. (laughs) In the moment. So, you know, there's no judgment about anyone taking drugs until they can find a coping mechanism that's the best thing for them to do in that moment because it's the thing that gives them the most relief. But the beautiful thing was that as I did my work and letting go of the the unconscious belief that he was going to die, that he started to heal as well. It was beautiful. Oh, isn't that nice? Because we're all interconnected. Yeah. And how is mm. he now, Jenny? Amazing. Fantastic. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah, yep. He's a, a, a very successful businessman and, yep, doing really, really well. He hasn't taken drugs for a long time now, uh, maybe 15 years now he's been clean. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, which is fantastic. 
And you know, yeah, you so see it, celebrities sometimes slip into the same kind of thing where they become successful really quick and whether they're musicians and and then they fall into some sort of addiction or drugs or alcohol or pills or something to escape. Mm -hmm. And I always wish I could just hug them and hug them so hard that they'll just feel better enough to not want it again. That's how I I want to do, but I know that's not much no, because we've got to do the, the inner work ourselves. And often with um, celebrities, you know, they get that huge hit of oxytocin and dopamine, the actual chemicals when they go out on stage and got adoring fans and all the rest of it. But when they step back from it, they get this huge crash. And that's when they'll then go and reach, you know, for the drugs to help bring them up again. But underlying yeah. all of it is, that they're not feeling loved. Yes. You know, they need they need something external to to make them feel loved. But that's all of us really. All of us are just looking for love. I was yes. just looking for my father's love. So I just try my very best at everything, thinking I will yeah. get approval. Yes. And I think that mm. hurts your love inside because you have to learn to love yourself. Yeah. First. Yeah. Before you can you learn do to love someone else. Yeah. Yes. But we're not taught that it. growing up. No. And and so when we're born, we just come in with that knowing that everything will be met, you know, we'll be warm, we'll be fed, um, we'll receive our mother's love. But of course, yeah. often that, that doesn't happen. So subconsciously, we're not even aware of it. We're forming beliefs about ourselves that we don't deserve love. Yeah, exactly. Now, before we go and so, into your story of a cancer journey, I'm just going to mm-hmm. quickly tell everybody, if you're new here, welcome. Uh, make sure you click down below and follow us and subscribe to our channel. And if you think that there might be someone in your life that this might help or uh, someone might appreciate you, sharing this with them because you know Jenny and I are here um, our purpose is to help one person for every show and I think we really do that so please like share and subscribe so that you can pass on something that might help someone else and so Jenny I was curious um, I think it must be the scariest one of the scariest things when you go to the doctor and you hear those words what was that like for you when you finally got better and you found some solace to to your anxiety issues and you were working through all that and then all of a sudden, bang? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I looked healthy and I felt healthy, but I just noticed a little lump uh, in my lower abdomen. And so I went to the doctor and, you know, I was lying down on the table and she's palpating it. And straight away I could tell by a reaction. She just said to me, oh, I just got to excuse me while I go out and put some wheels in motion. And I'm going, what? Oh, gosh. What, what, what was the big panic about this? And she oh, came dear. back and I, I said, could this be serious? And she just looked at me and said, yes. 
And so we ran, she, you know, I went and did some tests and all the rest of it, still just thinking, oh, she's wrong. It'll just be a fibroid because I thought I'd done all this work. Um, and then I was working in my healing room and I came out and checked the answer phone and she'd left a message, would I come down at the end of the day, you know, once her surgery had finished and could I bring a support person with me? And I thought, oh, you know, it still wasn't registering that something was really no. wrong. So I walked into her surgery with um, a little bit of concern, but not too bad. And then she said to me, I'm so sorry, but you have incurable ovarian cancer. And my body just shut down completely, entirely. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't think. I don't know where I went. And it wasn't till I don't know how much longer she said to my husband, I'll get you a wheelchair and uh, wheel you you know, you can wheel Jenny out to the car that I kind of thought, oh, I'm going to use all my strength to pull myself up. But I didn't realise it then, but I thought, wow. So immediately that's had an effect like that on my physical body. Yeah. So surely, and and all I, the only thought I had was I was, I was going to die and immediately my body closed down like that. So I thought, well, it must be all of these beliefs that I'm carrying that has created this cancer in my body. So I was terrified. You know, it was shock first, and then yeah. the that wore off and the terror kicked in. And as I said, I'd been an intuitive healer for 10 years prior to this. So my intuition is really developed. And everybody, you know, it's just a part of your brain. Everybody has that. Yeah inner knowing and intuition the more you use it the more it develops it's just like a muscle so it was 10 days following the um, diagnosis that it was just between sleeping and waking that a voice in my head just said you are healed and I just sort of you know oh but my body went into that relief it was palpable that, oh, I'm healed. And I sort of thought, oh, that's really weird. What's happened? But yeah. when I was doing my research afterwards, what I realized is when we're facing a life and death situation, the intuition can override the logical thinking brain. And because my intuition, you know, is really highly developed, it was in that state between waking and sleeping where that can take place. And also when you're between waking and sleeping, you're in a theta state of consciousness. So we have alpha, beta, uh, delta, theta, gamma. And theta is when the brainwaves are really slowed down and it's so much easier to reprogram the subconscious. So that's what actually happened to me in that moment. Um, but of course, I'd go back into the medical people and they'd tell me, now you know we can't cure you. And so I'd step yeah. back into that fear. So I had to keep bringing myself back to believing that I was healed. And it was it was kind of like starting way back then when in the middle of the night when I was, you know, in, in the burnout or breakdown in the legal profession when I just in my head screamed out, 
show me an answer or I'm going to commit suicide, that I started to realise when you ask, you've just got to look and something will come, you know, yeah. into your into your path. And I was reading the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton, and he's a cellular biologist. And he um, was looking at his Petri dish in his laboratory one day. And what he uncovered was that it is the perception of the environment that actually changes the cell. So in human terms, the perception is a belief. So when you believe something, the cells actually start to change. So the minute that I had that that thought, that download of I am healed, was the minute my cells started to change to match that belief. And it's just coincidentally or not, I call it synchronistic, synchronistically, that that his, his research, his scientific research, you know, dropped into my knowing. And that was a that was a huge confirmation to what I'd intuitively known. So mm -hmm. don't That's get going me wrong. Really <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But don't get me wrong because I still had major surgery and you know one of the tumors was the size of a melon, so it was pretty big. H had that cut out. And Don't you wonder where that goes in your body, you know, even if it's the mm. size of a baseball or something like where is it hiding? Yeah, no, it wasn't hiding because I'd lie down and my tummy would have a big, big lump in it. Yeah. And it wow. grew, it grew in four weeks by the time I was diagnosed to the time I had my operation, it grew from just a, a you know, just a little lump to this huge lump. So, you know, the cancer I had was growing really, really quickly. And, yeah, so getting the science behind what I was intuitively knowing was just so awesome. And in my journey, um, I didn't realise it then, but as, you know, sort of documented as I went, what I discovered was that I uncovered six steps to healing and I use that, you know, with my clients, no matter what they're going through, whether it's emotionally, physically, wanting to grow their businesses, whatever it is. And the first step is hope and turn that hope into belief. So I had that hope that I could heal and then, you know, by getting that knowing, I was beginning to turn it into belief. And then the word got out in the little town that I was living at, at, you know, at that time. And one of my friends came to visit me and she said, oh, I know someone who's just been diagnosed with what you've been diagnosed. She's had her first chemotherapy, but she's died. And so you can imagine my reaction. My body went just straight away into fear. But she did me a big favour because from then on, on, I decided to only surround myself with people who were on my side, who believed I could heal. And that's my second step to healing is to surround yourself who, with people who will encourage you and support you. Because some of my, my spiritual friends would say, you'll sort this out, you know, you've got this, I'm sure you'll find the answers, which helped, you know, me 
believe in that I could do this. And yeah. so that's my second second step to healing. And then I thought, okay, so now what do I do? So I just went into meditation and I got guided to go into the tumour. And that's when it said to me, it kind of spoke to me and it said, well, you look good, Jenny, you feel great, but something's not right inside. We're coming from the inside out to show you this is where the healing needs to happen from the inside. Thought, yep, okay. So still didn't know. Well, you know, I did have a lot of skills, you know, from what I'd learned in the last 10 years. But I called up a friend and I asked her if she would sit with me and we'd go into meditation just by setting that intent to be led to the root cause. And I was actually taken back to a memory that it was quite an emotional memory, but I'd uncovered two beliefs that it must have been my fault and I must have done something wrong. And I realized that I'd lived my whole life from that place where, you know, yeah. I've previously shared with you about, you know, my father. But from a medical point of view, I was always living in fight and flight. I was always on edge. And after the cancer, I actually um, had myself hooked up. Part of my healing was I was hooked up to a computer program that would measure how often my body would go into parasympathetic, you know, nervous system would be activated. And where it, I thought I was totally relaxed, not once. Not once was my body kicked into parasympathetic nervous. So we have, for those of you listeners who are not aware, we have sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system. So when we are stressed, you know, we go into sympathetic and then we the stress goes and we relax back into parasympathetic nervous system. And that's when the body does its resting, restoring, and uh, repair from you know having been in stress so so many of us are stressed and hardly yeah. activate the parasympathetic but for me never did so really I was a disaster waiting to happen so I had to relearn how to activate my parasympathetic nervous system and that's through the breath because I was always breathing up like this yeah, yeah. 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 so I, I mean, I even to... find myself, I'm sure listeners do too, that you find that you're not taking those deep breaths. Yeah. And when we're taking shallow breaths, we're up on our head and we're not actually listening to what our body's trying to tell us. You know, because you can run on adrenaline for a long time. So if you've got yeah. a very stressful job, you just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And it's when you're activate the parasympathetic by taking some deep big deep breaths you know you might go and have a massage and that will help activate it and you come out of there and you think oh I feel whacked and that's yeah. because the parasympathetic's kicked in and the body's really telling you where it's at but it's the way hard to we not know lives, that if, if you don't know it you know you can't you can't change no, it. No, no. So. 
and the, and that's the beauty of meditation or getting into nature because that allows us to um you know relax get grounded bring ourselves back into the body and it's when we're back in our body where our intuition can speak to us yeah it can tell us you know this is out of alignment and say for example one of your listeners has got a really stressful job and we think how are we going to pay the bills you know I really hate my job so they're always coming from that place of fight and flight but if you can step into that place of like that little baby when it's first born of believing that everything will be provided for you and the answers will come without having to know how the answers are going to come and when they're going to come, immediately the parasympathetic nervous system is activated and we can begin listening to our intuitive guidance about what to do and how to do it. And that's Absolutely. really the you know the basis behind all healing is to trust that we are co-creators with the universe. And it's when I was led to that root cause, which is that fourth step to my healing, where it it took me into a deeper knowing of all the healing that I had done previously, that I am a co-creator with the universe. And I didn't know how I was going to heal, but the universe would bring it to me and show me. And so the right people would drop into my path. Uh, it might be just something I watch on TV that that's gold. I've got that and it would take me one step towards that journey. And or so the book that you the, were talking about that dropped in your lap. That just dropped in. Absolutely. And so that's the, the heal dash you, the acronym I use for these six steps. That dash is to actually to surrender. So it's to surrender into that place of not knowing, surrender into, yes, I'm stressed right now because, you know, I've got a job that I don't really like and it's taking way too much from me. When we yeah. really accept it, that's kind of that, uh, that step. And that's with, you know, people in my group programs that I do with cancer. I actually to get them to share their story of what they're dealing with at the moment, which can be quite challenging because some people think I've got to think positively. No, accept where yeah. you're at and then we can build up from that with the intent that I am healed or I'm already creating my perfect job perfect balance in my life knowing that that's going to continue to drop into your consciousness into your world just bit by bit um, and it's also to surrender into the emotions as you know people think we've got to be positive but I was positive I've been positive for how many ever years by yeah. as you say putting putting on that costume and um, not really acknowledging that anger that was here. So when we surrender to the emotions, but then what are we going to do about those emotions? That's where the magic happens. That's where we take back our power and the healing begins to happen. And then the you in my heal you is to actually unleash your plan. And that can be... Uh, individual to every single person 
And that's what I, you know, with the clients that I work with, don't take my plan. If something is goes through your intuitive filter and feels right for you to take, that was part of my plan. But you be open to what feels right for you in your plan. See, I never changed my diet at all. Whereas some people, it feels right for them in that moment to change their diet. Yeah. But th I've then we've that. got to establish. Then we've got to establish, are you changing your diet from a place of fear or are you changing your diet from an intuitive knowing that your body is going to operate in an optimal place from eating that food? And when I work with clients and they realize, oh, my gosh, I've been following this diet, I haven't been enjoying my food, but from a place of fear, then they can yeah. relax, trust that they will know what to eat, and immediately their parasympathetic nervous system's activated and healing's happening in their body without them knowing a thing. What do you think is the number one when you're talking to cancer patients? Do they all have something that they could fear? Have they all had some trauma, something that each one has had to uncover? Always, absolutely always. Many of them will come to me and say, oh, I haven't had any trauma. And then when we unpack it, because I've done such a good job of suppressing it, that wasn't traumatic. But when we've really dived deep, they've realised how traumatic it was and the effect, you know, as I say, the reprogramming of the computer, how the computer is, you know, run on automatic, that what they were doing. Had been so well, and it affects your relationships, it affects your work like you, it affects your career, or if you're self-employed, it affects your business. It, it affects, you cannot separate your health, wealth and relationships. It yeah. affects the way you, 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 you know, you um, attract abundance into your life in all areas. And that's the beauty of, you know, clients that, are, that I've worked with, when once we've got through the the journey they've got but it's not only healed me physically my relationship's amazing now and you know my life is just a dream wow and and it's just like you flicked your switch mm -hmm. yep flick even switch. though it, i wish there was one that you could switch i'm sure everybody that you've worked with would say that too yes yes yeah, I mean, we of course, we all want, and sometimes I've worked with people and then their cancers come back and they've got, I've done everything. Where we've gone into it, they've realised, oh, now I see what I was avoiding. And then they've oh. gone on to heal it when it's come back. Um, and let me tell, let me share when my, mine started so I was living in the South Island of New Zealand we have two main islands and after I'd got through uh, the cancer journey and I had no evidence of disease and I thought well you know life is finite I want to be living where I really want to live and doing what I really want to do so we upstakes and moved to a much warmer part of the island to this beautiful place where I live now, Mount Monganui, right by the beach. And I had to change my medical team. And I'd chosen not to have any more blood tests 
because they said all they could do was give me more chemotherapy. And I'd had a third of the chemotherapy that they said would just give me a few more months to live till my intuitive knowing had told me I don't need any more. And so I wasn't going to have any more chemo. So what was the point of having, having any more blood tests? And yeah. so I got a new gynecologist and he said to me, oh, we need to do some more blood tests. And I said to him, but I thought it would have been on my notes. I don't want any more blood tests. Oh, no, no, he said, we need to have some more. And I said, no, I don't want any more. And he said, no, I need to know where you're at. And he picked up the laboratory form, filled it in, popped it down on the desk and said, go and get some blood tests. I went out of there fuming. And I sat with it for a couple of days and I thought, oh, darn it, I'm going to prove him wrong. Off I went to get the blood tests. And it was about a few days later, my um, MD rang me and said, has anybody given you your blood results? And I said, no. And she went, oh, your cancer markers have shot right back up. And then she said, you need to go and see your oncologist. And I, I, I sat with it and I thought, I know why they've shot up. Because no didn't mean no. That was re-triggering my abuse when I'd been sexually abused and said no and it had been ignored. Now, I could have just, you know, internally laughed at that guy and I could have said, oh, I'm not doing that, ripped it up. Yeah. Nothing, it wouldn't have affected my body. But because I allowed my body to be, well, you know, from my programming to be triggered, then that was triggering something unhealed in me still. So I said to my oncologist, give me three months and I'll be back. So I went and did more inner work and went back three months. And to their utter surprise, my cancer markers had dropped right back down. But knowing that everything is perfect and the universe is always supporting you, it has now given me medical evidence of suppressing emotions and then releasing them, how that shows up on my cancer markers. So in actual fact, it was a gift Yeah, that gynecologist. So when we look at our lives that way, that everybody in our life, when they trigger us, it's just a gift for us to go and look within to what needs to be healed. It changes everything. We start to take back our power rather projecting and going, oh, that gynecologist, why didn't he listen to me? And going into that story, owning it and healing from it. And so now if anybody, if no, you know, I say no and they don't acknowledge it, then I will, you know, get myself out of that situation or just ignore it and make myself safe. Right. So you kind of block it, I guess. It's kind of a your own boundary or block or whatever yeah 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 absolutely and it could be say for example my husband wants to go to say for a walk on the beach and I'm feeling really really tired and you'll say oh come on let's go for a walk on the beach I say no 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 I don't want to and I can real I realize actually I'm starting to go into that place of pleasing him I'll just say no I'd love to but for now this is what I need, just to rest. So it can be as yeah. simple as that. Hmm. No, that sounds awesome. Um, 
What was it like with your husband? How did he handle things with you? With those, my with that news? My, my husband's an engineer. So he's so in his head trying to solve problems. So he would spend hours and hours and hours on the computer. But looking at his childhood stuff, that was making him safe because he didn't want to, he needed to know what might happen to make him safe. But bless him, he never, ever shared, you know, all the prognoses and things with me. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And um, he finds that being in his head and being an engineer and needing proof of things, he finds it kind of hard to get his head around what I've done. But he has totally supported me all that way. And I would go into the fear. I remember once we were in, in the car and I was getting uptight about having to go and have more chemo. And we didn't have any grandchildren at that point in time. And he said to me, oh, but just imagine what it's going to feel when you first hold that grandchild in your arm. And immediately that took me into that place of creating that feeling and stepping out of that fear. So he wasn't conscious of doing it, but that's what he was doing. So I'm, I'm really grateful whether it's luck or whatever it was, that unconsciously he was paying, playing that part and unconsciously he believed I could do it. Yeah, because of no, he, that's it, great support. A fabulous support. So if he had, and what actually happened when I first got diagnosed, because of both of our trauma, he'd never really been able to be emotionally there for him. And I said to him, I can't do this journey with you because I really need someone to be there for, for me emotionally. And I was yeah. ready to, to, to leave the marriage because I knew it needed to be all about me. And, you know, he broke down and he cried and he said, I just don't know how to do this, but I'll really, really try. So then he went into the deep end and he'd go, what do you need now? And what, what what do you need? And that became exhausting. And so one one morning I was lying in bed and I was just thinking, oh, I just wish my husband could just get it without knowing, you know, asking me all the time what I needed. And yeah. I just no sooner sort of said that in my head and he walked into the room and he said, I'm sure you'd like the curtains open so the sun can come streaming in. And I'm going, yes. Yes, he's starting to ensure what I need. Oh, so it's, it's, you know, it's a balance in, in, in our relationships. And I work with a lot of people going through relationships who are ready to leave their, uh, their partners. And I say, okay, let's yes. just work on this first. Just make a commitment that as you do your we will give your partner an opportunity to step up sometimes the partner is ready and sometimes you know the person I'm working with knows it's time to walk away but the walking away becomes much easier well you know I've oh, had yeah. a lot of clients and a lot of times the spouse runs the other direction mm -hmm. when you have yeah that type of diagnosis yes it, it's yeah. pretty high actually 
it, it is. And some realise that they just can't do it. And, of course, it's it's triggering their um, own beliefs about death too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it triggers a lot, lot of people's, you know, you, you can see by their reaction and that's why I thought, uh, you know, I'm not going to um, put myself around those people that will, I will trigger yeah. their, um, their views or, or their beliefs on death. Yeah. Um, what were you saying backstage um, about a friend of yours who um, passed away in Greece? Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that, and this is in relationships where it's really, really important to sort of have the balance so that you don't give your power away completely. So I had a friend, um, and her and her husband had saved for a long time. And she, before she went, she said to me, I know there's something I'm going to uncover in Greece. That there's a reason I've got to go there. So they were away in the Greek islands having a wonderful time. And very, very sadly, she, because in Greece, you know, they drive on the opposite sides of the road to where they do here. So she looked the wrong way, stepped out onto the road, and a bike came and hit her and killed her. Now, her husband had been totally reliant on her in every area of his life. And here he was, stuck in a foreign country, didn't know anybody. It was extremely challenging for him. He didn't know the oh, passwords yeah. to anything. He didn't know how to cook. It was a very plus. You know, you're not home. With, no, you're not home in your own space either. So it makes it even harder. Couldn't speak the language. It was yeah. it was huge for him. And you have to get so, the body back home and everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it's really important. Even if you're not fa faced with a a crisis or a you know a cancer diagnosis or whatever it is to do the inner work, you know, where he's not just relying on her all the time in a physical but in an emotional way as well. Yes. It's kind of like that um, an unhealthy dynamic in the relationship. So it doesn't mean to say True. that the wife would take care of it all because we have balance, but to know that you can do it. If something comes well, along. yeah, and I teach that in workshops actually because it's good for the other spouse to even know where the stuff is, even if mm -hmm. they know don't actually know how to do it, but they know what you're doing. So, yes, in some shape or form, even if they're not doing it themselves, but to know mm. is what we try to get. Women are really bad because they'll leave it up to their husbands. Um, I've asked so many over the years and they'll say, oh, my husband's looking after that. It's all looked after. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm. Famous last words. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So know what you have. Know what you don't have. Understand what the other spouse is doing. Yeah, that, that would be the most, that's probably the most worst case scenario of being in another country and having to deal with the death. Oh, it's worse than at home. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah, the even the, everything. that would have been so stressful, even at home, but yeah. in a foreign country. It, yeah. It was horrendous for him. 
Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Awful. Yeah. Absolutely. Have that backup plan no matter what. Yeah. Because the emotional part you can work on, but you won't be able to work on the financial, physical part if you don't know Mm. what's happening in your home. And it's it's got to start with that, even if you don't yes. actually do it yourself, but know what is being done. Yes, how how to access yeah. those passwords or whatever yeah. that is, where the bills yeah. are and where the keys are and what cat food and vet the pet goes to mm. and all that kind of stuff. There's so many things other than just like the will and power of attorney. There's so yes. many aspects. Well, that's and that's, that's the thing. We we kind of live our lives like we've got blinkers on, and it you know with a lot of my clients I work with, it's when we actually face the worst case scenario, yeah, that and accept it that we can actually start to to live life, and that's like with me. Even though I had that belief that I uh, was healed. Um, but knowing that my life was finite, that's when I made completely different choices in my life. Yeah, I just choose to be happy. What's the point in stressing about small things? It's it's just not worth it. We stress about way silly things, you know. People are, you know, they want the latest gadget and all the rest of it. Why? Yeah. Just live today. Be, time, be in the present. Just be in the moment. Enjoy nature. Nothing is, you know, there's nothing more magical than being in nature. Yeah. That's the biggest yeah. gift we've got. It sure is. And and to, be, and to be with our loved ones. Yes. Well, yeah, that's kind of part and parcel. Um, hmm. What final messages would you like to give the listeners, even though, we probably could talk about this forever. <laughs> uh, well, what I would like to um, ask my listener, your listeners to do is to learn to love themselves. If they were their own best friend, what would they do for themselves? That is a really big question because often we can, you know, give and do things for other people. But what would we do for ourselves? Actually, I, I, you know, I wouldn't do something because I thought I should. I would listen and do what I really knew what was good for me. And um, I think that's a really good way of putting it because if you had this really best friend, what would they say to you and what would they do for you? Mm. Mm-hmm. Because we always and, and look it, at it helping others, but we don't look at it helping us so so many of us especially women give way more than what we receive and we have to have everything in life in balance and something will give if you end up giving more than you receive and it's scary I you know when I had to learn to receive because it's uh, triggering your feelings of being unworthy it's really scary yeah, so it's it is. just if, if someone does something for you, then just open up your heart and say thank you from that place of knowing that that's part of the balance of giving and receiving and you deserve it. Yes, you are deserving. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's awesome, yeah. Jenny. Thank you so much for all that good information and tips that you've given everybody. Um, that's a crazy whirlwind that you've been involved in. Crazy. It's, it's crazy. Now that I'm through it, I see it as a gift because what I've learned has totally changed the trajectory of my life. And I just love yeah. everything about, about my life. I love what I do. I love where I live. I have beautiful friends. Um, yeah. Family. You know, love being with my family. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's awesome. But it, it's, it, it's available for all of us. Yes. You just have to put the in motion, right? You just have to yeah. put it yes. together. Yeah. Well, thank yeah, you, Jenny. I, I can't believe our time's up. I was really getting involved. I felt like I was reading a book, <laughs> you know, and it, it just kept me, you know, waiting and listening for anybody out there that has anyone going through cancer diagnosis or feeling um, not worthy and, and having anxiety problems and that sort of thing. It'd probably be very helpful for them to hear this video. So make sure you like, share, and subscribe to all of those family and friend members that you can at least maybe help in one little tiny way. You know, we are not Superman. We we act like we are because nothing's going to happen, right? What could happen? But as you know, that's far from the truth. And we can look at the last five years in the world around us and the shootings in the schools, the streets, the work accidents car accidents, overdoses, and the pandemic, not to mention the crazy wars and the natural disasters, the wildfires and floods and hurricanes around the world. Our life is different, and we need to remember that and be have a plan and have a grab-and-go bag and have an emergency exit plan and all of that kind of stuff that we deal with in our on our podcast as well as on, in our app. So if, and if you are thinking about that special someone right now, while you're watching the show, and you know, you just don't know how many birthdays that person might have left. You don't know if they're going to be here tomorrow. So reach out to them today. Tell them how much you love and care about them today, because you just don't know what tomorrow might bring. That being said, I always end our show, and I'm sure Jenny knows who Carol Burnett is. I do. do you remember yes, I do. Yes, and I her do. anniversary special was just on TV last night. So I, uh, of course, had to watch that. She was on with um, Julie Andrews and, and herself on the anniversary special. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it, comes the time we have to say so long. So long, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you for your kind and tip words, all of that stuff. Uh, unbelievable story, Jenny. Thank you so much for coming out. It's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed talking to you today, Tina. Thank, thanks you. Thank you so much. So everybody, you know, as Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan till you get punched in the mouth. Very true. You think you're prepared when you're really not. So let me help you. Let me guide you. 
in any shape or form. You can go onto our Facebook group. It's an ambassadors VIP group where you can ask questions. You might have an aunt that has been through some issues of, of a death in the family or of your own or family or friends and you're getting prepared and you want to know what to do, that's the right place for you is over on our VIP group where you can ask questions and talk, um, post, you can make posts on it, all sorts of things um, because we're just one big, one big happy family. So um, everybody expect the unexpected, be kind, stay safe till next week. See you next time. Bye for now. And thanks to Jenny again. You're welcome. It's my pleasure.